This is realestateinvestingmastery.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to realestateinvestingmastery.com, our favorite real estate investing podcast. But I'm only saying that because we got a special guest on the line who also has another real estate investing podcast that is a pretty close second, in my humble opinion. We're, we'll give him a hard time about that, too, in a few minutes. But uh, Alex, how you doing? Alex, by the way, everybody has his cell phone voice on. Alex? Yes, my cell phone voice. But it's a you, lot different than my real voice. <laughs> Man, tell, you have some exciting news. What happened? Yeah, on Saturday, uh, 8.28 in the morning, my wife gave birth to a brand new baby girl by the name of Ella Grace Youngblood. Awesome. Very nice, very nice uh, little baby. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations. That is so exciting. This is This is number three, right? Number three, yes. I have two. More Strapping boys and one girl now. <laughs> Congratulations, man! That is so. Cool. How was the pregnancy? How was Mama? It was. It was. It was pretty good, actually. Um, uh, the uh, the pregnancy wasn't too bad. Uh, I guess for me, not being the pregnant one, saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it went well. The birth. The birth was really. Uh, wasn't that bad either. Again, me not having to push anything out of any part of my body, saying that, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, uh, we, uh, probably what it was, ooh, probably Saturday morning, um, I think it was like six o'clock. She's like, yeah, I think, uh, it's probably time to go to the hospital. So I ran across the street to my neighbor, knocked on their door and said, Hey, can you come over and just sit, sit at the house? So, you know, we're not leaving the kids, you know, sleep in their beds with nobody here. Yeah. They stayed here. We called one of our friends. They came over made a shot to the hospital, got there in about 20, 25 minutes. So we got there about 7.20-ish, and they was born at 8.28, yeah. Holy cow, so just like an hour later. Yeah, my wife has always been kind of quick like that. She, um, she, she seems to like to go through most of the hard stuff, or I guess the processing stuff. <laughs> you know, I yeah. sound like a, yeah, some type of process <laughs> technician talking about. Yeah, so okay. the, you know, at, at home. So she goes through a lot of that stuff, and then when she feels, you know, we're getting close to that point, I guess you would want to call it transition for all our friends out there who have had babies or know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Then we go to the hospital at that point, and usually we have babies within an hour, an hour and a half of being there. And it's been like that for all three, so it's been really, really good. She she does really well with, um, you know, taking the right vitamins and stuff like that and keeping the baby healthy. She she only gained. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 explaining all my wife's stuff here out on the air. This is kind of funny. Um, she only gained like uh, 18 pounds, I think, throughout the pregnancy, and the baby was seven pounds 12 ounces. So wow! It's kind of funny. The uh, the nurses um, when they came to discharge today, um, the head nurse comes into the room because it was crazy up there. They had all these C-sections going on, and it was, it was going it was cra crazy up there. So we were trying to leave today. The nurse comes in. She says, am I always sitting there with the baby? You're standing there with the baby. All right, we're back here. We had a little audio technical difficulty. Sorry about that. Alex, you were saying um, 
Your wife like yeah, gained we were two pounds or we something. We were discharging like that. today. Okay. So we we were discharged today, and and what I was saying is, you know, my wife is interesting because she only gained like very minimal weight because she's very good with um, sub, you know, doing the right vitamins and stuff like that. So that way she doesn't have to eat for two and turn into a very large house, you know, and <laughs> you know, you know, nobody's going to come up to her and try to put her under contract and assign her for $5,000, you know, so. <laughs> but anyway, um, she doesn't get very big, so she only gained 18 pounds, so we were there to get discharged um, today, or she was, I went and get the car, and the head nurse comes in and says, um, yeah, I'm in here too. And she sees her and my and my and the new baby sitting there. She goes, "Hey, uh, I'm here to uh, discharge uh, a new mom and a baby. Do you know where she is?" No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, She's like, uh, "Yeah, that's me." <laughs> she was she was probably grinning from ear to ear. Your wife is loving that. Yeah, oh yeah. She, I, you know, she's the type that every woman hates, unfortunately, when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> But uh, it was good. Everything went well. Well, congratulations, man. That's really, really awesome. And um, the baby, you know, sleeping okay now, or how's the baby doing? Uh, well, I have no idea. Tonight's the first night at home. Oh yeah. So you're the reason why you're on your cell phone is you're playing Mr. Mom or Mr. Dad, however that works. Yes. And you yes, got, that's right. You got your kids outside, letting them get some fresh yes. air. He's roll he's rolling around in his power wheels escalade now as we speak, so if you hear <laughs> a big loud engine in the background, that's what that is. <laughs> that's one of the uh the blessings of this line of work, isn't it, if you want to call it that. Um get to work whenever you want and be home whenever you need to be for your family. That's right, that's right. That's why we do what we do. But I am still, you know, making things happen. It was it was pretty neat actually. If you anybody has any type of fix up or anything like that, the, uh, on my iPhone, uh, the Lowe's app and the Home Depot app are great. I was, really? I, yeah, I just went to go pick up uh, a Starbucks to, for my wife the other day while she was still at the hospital. I, actually, it was the same day of the birth on Saturday, and I knew I had to order a, some doors uh, for a project, a project that we're doing right now. Um, so I sat in the parking lot at, uh, uh, Starbucks and that way I got the Wi-Fi for the, uh, yeah. so I could use my browser at the same time and be on the phone at the same time. And I called the guy up and he's like, yeah, well, we don't have that door. I said, oh, darn it. Really? What doors do you have? And so he's giving me the SKUs and I just went to that app and right on the app, I see the door, the way it looks, the price and everything it was great. It was so simple. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of iPhones and apps and Starbucks, I'm a big Starbucks addict, and I use their app all the time to pay for my coffee. Did you oh, know? Oh, for real? Yeah, I yeah, didn't you... know they had Starbucks pay for my coffee app. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know how you get the Starbucks prepaid cards, right? Well, oh, okay. You, you register your card, and you download the Starbucks app, and then you you know you connect your card to your app. And um, whenever you know, you just when you buy a coffee, you give them your phone, or you hold the phone, and they scan the barcode right off of your phone, and that deducts the money from your prepaid Starbucks card. Sweet, that's so, awesome. Yeah, it works out really nice. So my, I, 
Well, here's what happens with me. I, I preload this card with a bunch of money, and I gave the card to my wife, and I'm just, so she's using the card, and I'm using the app. Well, right. Like, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm used to just loading the money with my, loading the card with my own money, you know. But uh, my wife's now using it, and so, <laughs> like, the money's disappearing. She's getting all this coffee, and um, I have to keep on reloading it. So I don't know if I, but I, you know, you get, uh, the more coffee you buy, the more rewards you get. So you get, I, you know, you get free, um, free coffee rewards po- in the postcards. Anyway, enough of that. So um, congratulations, man, and give, uh, give our love to your wife and uh, tell her congratulations, and we're really happy for you guys. Would you do that? Yeah, definitely. You can do that personally, everybody in this uh, podcast, by going to my group, Pulse Filling Houses Full Time. That's right. I posted a picture on there, and you could see the baby. That's um, right. And uh, check it out. And uh, I, Or you could go to my, my Facebook account, which is alexyomble.com, and subscribe, and then obviously you'll be able to see all the pictures that way too. So, Yeah, everybody, go to Alex's... Um Facebook, it's called Wholesaling Houses Full Time. Oh, almost three thousand members group. now. Yes, <laughs> it's the biggest group on Facebook for real estate investing. I'm pretty sure. But the cool thing is, it's very active, with a lot of really good stuff, good people on there, and uh, it's not spammy at all. Alex, we a get rid job. of the spammers yeah. very quickly. I mean, how many people do you delete a day? I'm going to guess a couple, two to five a day. Well, actually, everybody's been pretty good. I mean, I guess because, you know, they see, whoa, that person, you know, somebody who just posts like five different times yeah, doesn't hang around for too long, so they probably get the message now. <laughs> oh, good. It's a great group. But by the way, we haven't even mentioned it yet. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Um, we have our free, valuable, fast cash survival kit there. Um, if you've never heard of us before, never listened to this podcast before, um, Alex and I... Uh, we're wholesalers at heart. Now, Alex is doing a bunch of rehabs now and uh, starting to do some bigger deals. But wholesaling will always be kind of our bread and butter, what we'll always be doing. And I wholesale a lot of lease options. And I'm doing some more traditional wholesaling as well. But the great thing about this business is there are strategies that you can learn where you can flip properties for quick cash um, relatively easy. And Alex and I, in this Fast Cash Survival Kit, will actually, in these bonus videos, we'll actually show you how we do what we do. And we'll show you in there how Alex wholesales homes, how I wholesale lease options, how we outsource almost all of our marketing to virtual assistants. Um, And it's pretty cool stuff. And it's absolutely 100% free. No strings attached. You just go there. Yeah, you you could. You yeah. could call what we do almost like um, your uh, an iPad an iPad strategy. Say you know you really want an iPad or you really want a yeah. laptop. You know you just want two or three thousand dollars. It's so easy to make two or three thousand dollars just by wholesaling somebody else's deal or finding something on HUD and flipping it to somebody else real quick, and boom, you'll have two or three thousand dollars. Just it's so easy to do that. You know, if you want to make yeah. bigger money, you definitely can do that, but. You can make some real quick, fast money, and we'll show you how to do that in that uh, survival kit. So go get it. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. We get great feedback from people who see it, and um, we still kind of scratch our heads wondering why we're giving it away for free. <laughs> or sometimes we talk about maybe we should not give so much away, but 
for what it's worth, there it is. It's out there. Go get it before we change our minds and remove it. We probably won't. But anyway, um, I'm real excited about the guest we have on today. Alex and I have known this guy, J.P. Moses, for probably several many, several years now. For, I don't know, three, four years. I first heard about J.P. when he was active on the FlippingHomes.com website is kind of like a forum moderator and he was really active in that community and then he launched off and did his own thing with reitips.com and uh i've always been if, if, there's not a whole lot of really good real estate investing blogs out there but the few that are um jp's is probably the best um, it's called reitips.com and alex how long have you known jp um, wow, that's a good question. Um, how long have I known? I've known of him, you know, for, for quite some time since when I first got into the business. But, um, I would say, I think it was back in 2008 when we really talked to each other, when we, uh, co, uh, uh, co-produced, uh, the 17 sneaky wholesaling tricks. Oh, you did that with JP? Yeah. I did not know that. Yes, I can tell you've been studying it quite vigorously. <laughs> well, how, by the way, how do you get to 17 Sneaky Wholesaling Tricks? I believe um, you can go to 17 Sneaky Tricks, the number, 17sneakytricks.com, and uh, I think you could do forward slash videos. You know, I could t- you could tell I've been um, pushing it real hard lately. <laughs> 17 sneakytricks.com forward slash videos, I think, and... Um, you can uh, so you can opt in there, and you'll be sent to a site where you get some free information, and then you could go there, or you could go to alexflipsforcash.com, and I think that's the whole smear sales letter thing. You know, if you got time to read through it and, and get it, so you could do it that yeah. way too. Alexflipsforcash.com. Yep, alexflipsforcash. F O R, not the number. Cool. Cool. Well, guys, check that out because I remember when it first came out, and I forgot that was JP who did that with you. Uh, really good, high-quality, awesome stuff, kind of little sneaky ninja tricks that Alex uses for wholesaling his properties. Um, cool. Very good. Good, good, good. JP, speaking of JP, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> good. How you doing, man? He's here. Hey. That felt really good, just having you guys lavish uh, compliments and adoration all over me. I, I kind of would like just a few more minutes of that, if it's okay. <laughs> yeah, don't get used to it. <laughs> but uh, JP just came out with a new podcast, and i um, really excited about it. I've been listening to it, and it's really, really good. And uh, it's at R-E-I-ology dot com alex i mean uh jp how did you come up with reiology can you explain the what that phrase means? well yeah yeah well yeah you, there's lots of words that in anology and typically uh it's kind of the study of whatever that thing is and those of us in the arena here typically identify rei with real estate investing so our reiology the study of real estate investing and the tagline you know my initial first tagline for the podcast was going to be uh, better real estate investing mastery or real estate investing mastery better (laughs) Better. than Joe and Alex. Wow. (laughs) That's not cool. I pulled back off of that though. Good. And instead it's a real estate investing simplified. So really the, the, the concept behind it is 
as I have had the opportunity over the years to, I guess, just play around in the real estate investing world, you know, my, my history as an investor, besides doing deals, I've also often just gravitated towards opportunities to help my fellow investors. I uh, started and ran my local REA group here in Memphis and uh, uh, for six years, one of my favorite, most fulfilling activities was helping to take uh, concepts, I guess, in the industry that sometimes people had a hard time processing and internalizing and learning how to apply and connecting them with the ability to do that and just kind of helping them extrapolate that and breaking it down and making it something that can be consumed and digested. I don't know why I like doing that so much, but I do. It's well, you're the, good at it. Well, thank you. So that's kind of the whole uh, approach with the podcast is just to take real estate investing, break it down, uh, whatever the topic happens to be for that episode in a way that people can take away stuff they can apply. Well, your podcast is excellent, and I'm looking at it right now on iTunes, and uh, you have five episodes released. Is that right? Yeah, we got five. I got another one coming out this week. It's got a couple days. And um, Well, first of all, before we get into that, talk a little bit about your history, your background. How did you get started in this business? And um, talk about your you, – you learned a lot by uh, leading that RIA group, didn't you? I did. I uh, I first got the inkling that I might want to get in this real estate investing thing. I think it was in 1999, and uh, I had just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I, I know you guys are familiar with, and I'm sure probably anybody listening to this is familiar with. Uh, I personally was real. I mean, it really rocked my world uh, and opened my eyes to some concepts that I had just never really taken the time to process through. And uh, I, you know, I looked at the concepts he laid out there and said, if this guy, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. And he started in rental property, or at least it was a key component. So I decided I'll get into real estate investing. Hmm. So that was kind of what kickstarted me. And, um, I got on the internet and even way back then there was all kinds of uh, forums. Uh, I was very, uh, this forum really isn't active anymore, but Dealmakers Cafe was one of my favorite forums at the time, that and FlippingHomes.com, which is still very active. And I just, I mean, soaked up everything I could. And one of the things you hear all the time is, you know, one of the first steps as a new investor is to connect with your local real estate investors association, your RIA group. Mm-hmm. So I looked around in Memphis and we just didn't have one at the time. So I thought, well, I don't know a lot about this real estate investing thing yet, but I do know kind of a little bit about herding cats. So I'll, <laughs> I'll try, try to start a group. Right. So I put an ad in the paper uh, for I think four Sundays in a row in, uh, in the, um, actually in the, investment property for sale section of the paper, even though it wasn't related to that. And it just said real estate investor group starting call for info. And I just put myself in there. Long story short, we had 16 people at the first meeting. Um, and I told them right up front, you know, I haven't done a deal yet, but uh, I want to have a real estate group so we can all have some synergy, combine our efforts, uh, kind of the philosophy that we'll do better by involving in each other's businesses rather than just seeing each other as enemies and competition. Uh, six years later, I retired from leadership in that organization, and we had I'm happy to report we had grown it from 16 to over 600 members. Wow. Um, over the course of that time span, I guess, 
I started as a landlord uh, buying property, made a lot of mistakes, frankly, in the way that I went about it. Uh, bought houses all over town, for example. That was one of my mistakes. And this is in um, Memphis, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, okay. Um, had a, 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 some hard school of hard knocks lessons learned through some mentorship relationships that I got into that were complicated and ended up coming back to bite me, all of which, are, of course, are learning experiences that helped make me into the person I am today. But, um, you know, I'm pretty open about the fact that I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, but I learned from them. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I realized I hate landlording. It is <laughs> absolutely not a good fit for my personality. I don't like dealing with tenants in the least. So it took me a few years to work my way out of that and sell my houses and kind of get out of some bad situations. But I turned immediately to wholesaling. And, of course, you guys, as you've already said, know, and I know you well enough to know you know and love wholesaling. Yeah. So I started uh, digging into that. And that, you know, over the years... I've done a little bit of a lot of things, mm-hmm. but the lion's share of my experience has been wholesaling. You know, I've done, like, for example, I've done about one and a half short sale deals. I've done, <laughs> <laughs> I bought uh, a note at one point. I foreclosed on a house. Uh, I bought a note and foreclosed on a house. I, uh, I've done, but none of those I would consider, you know, I have some experience and insight history has been as a wholesaler and uh, mostly just in the in the quick flip arena. Right. So that's kind of my history in a nutshell. Why do you like wholesaling so much? Can you talk about that? Well, yeah, I, I guess first off, I'm drawn to it because you don't have to manage tenants or contractors. Yeah. I'm a, I've become a real believer that you should focus on areas of business that are a good fit for you, for for your strengths, your personal strengths. And um, I mean, it took me some, a little bit of time to realize it, but after trying and after trying rehabbing, I realized that my my personality is just not suited to enjoy the activities involved in the rehabbing process, the the managing of contractors, especially, and. Uh, and the managing of tenants and or the managing of property managers, which is sometimes even more intensive than managing tenants. Oh, yeah. A lot of people make mistakes, the mistake of thinking that you can just hire a property manager and not have to worry about managing tenants, and it's often a bigger headache. So I guess the, the biggest thing was, um, in the, from the big picture perspective, is it fits my personality. I like the idea of not having to manage those people, and I like the idea of being able to, to kind of get in and out real quick them. The longer I'm involved in a deal, the less comfortable I feel with it. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm I really I love big paydays, but I like several more smaller paydays if I was going to choose between one or the other. Right. Know, does that make sense? Yeah, it certainly does. And by the way, your audio was was cutting in and out a little bit, so um, it it sounds like it is getting better. But if it keeps on doing it, we'll just go ahead and hang up and then call each other back in a second. Okay. Um, hey, Joe, it actually sounded fine to me, so okay, I don't know good. If that's on your end. Okay, good, good, good. Um, well, JP, you've um, t- tell me about this podcast. Why did you want to start a podcast, um, and why do you think it's important? 
Uh, why do I think the podcast is important? Yeah. And what was your um, – talk a little bit about um, – the, the bigger question I'm looking for is let's talk, I want to talk a little bit with you about this kind of the, the state of real estate investing education today and, and what's out there and what is good about what's out there today and what is not good and, and um, where, do we, where do you feel like you can contribute – and where do you think the need is for uh, for why we're doing what we're doing? Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 it does. Well, I guess let me let me take a step back and try and tackle that question from maybe the starting point. And philosophy through through education in general, and I know you guys are probably on the a similar in a similar type place. I absolutely, positively believe that education is a huge part of building a successful real estate entrepreneur business. But I also know that one of the biggest problems we have is uh, feeding people either bloated education based on a lot of hype that doesn't really deliver or uh, feeding into a, a glutton of, you know, educate, 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 educate to people who are never really taking the next step and empowering themselves to actually do anything for whatever reason, whether it's overload at information or fear or whatever the case may be. And I know you guys have talked about a lot of that kind of stuff on in, in various arenas. But at my core, I'm a huge fan of education. I believe in investing in education. I remember the first real estate investing uh, education I ever bought. And, and the course was really awful, frankly. I remember I spent $600 on it, and um, it's from a company that I think doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, but I'm thankful, so thankful, that I forked that $600 over on that course because even though it wasn't very good, I then found a place inside myself that said, I don't want to have to, frankly, face my wife and tell her I wasted 600 bucks. I need to make something yeah. out of this, you know? So I kind of used it as a, as a fuel to kind of prove that I can do this. So uh, I believe in education. I also believe, though, that when you move into education, you're best to have some kind of plan about, um, I guess, how you're going to take in the information that you're going to take in. Because if yeah. not, you're going to be led around by whatever the – latest bright shiny object happens to be and if I were you know standing in front of a real group and ask people to raise their hand and say how many of you suffer from bright shiny object syndrome I'm sure every hand would go up or almost every single one of them oh yeah because you know we're entrepreneurs that's one of our flaws is we we do gravitate towards bright shiny objects you got to recognize that and moving into education I think first people should start with low-end education start you know you're, you kind of enter this real estate investing world and you realize this is so wide there's so many hundreds of different ways I can skin this cat you're looking for your niche though you're looking for your own little honey pot to to, to to extract cash from and as I said earlier it needs to be a good fit for your personality and you don't know yet what that is so rather than jump in and the first time somebody offers you a thousand dollar course that just really lights you up with all the right emotional triggers and all the right, you know, pictures of checks, rather than sinking over a grand right off the top, why don't you be disciplined, be 
cautious enough to take some time to go to the library and check out some books. Right. <laughs> you know, start with a little bit lower end, you know, investing in either free stuff at the library or maybe 50 to $300 worth of material. And your whole goal initially is just to wrap your mind around real estate investing in a general sense and try to kind of survey where might be your first starting point. What What is the niche within real estate investing that maybe is a good fit for you and your lifestyle and the time you can put into it and your personality? I think you're right on. And I'm looking right now on my bookshelf some of my favorite books in real estate investing that I bought either at Barnes & Noble or Amazon, I forget, but... Um, let me just give them to you right now. One of them is uh, Buy Low, Rent Smart, Sell High by a, um, Keller or Heller. I forget the last name, Frank or something. Frank and Heller. Buy Low, Rent Smart, Sell High. There's another one by David Finkel and Peter Conti, a couple of them, called Buying Real Estate Without Cash or Credit. Buying Real Estate Without Cash or Credit, because I know some of you are writing that down. Another one is Making Big Money, Investing in Real Estate. And um, those, and then, of course, Wendy Patton's book on lease options. I just interviewed her recently. Uh, Wendy Patton has a book called Lease Options and Subject to Investing, I think. But uh, just uh, getting your hands on some decent books like that, I think, is a great place to start. I mean, you can buy them yeah. used on Amazon for 3 bucks, probably. Yeah. And 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 ignore. Don't worry about the copyright date. I mean, one of my flaws is whenever I buy a book, I look at the date that it was written, um, and that's that's not as important. Uh, that, that's really not important because the principles in there are are timeless. You know how to negotiate with sellers, um, how to get motivated and take action, and some different offers that you can make to sellers are pretty close to what they were five six years ago when these books were first written. Um, do you have any favorite books, Alex or JP, that you guys uh, have read in the past like that? You know, I, I used to spend actually a lot of time in Barnes and Nobles and Walden Books and Books a Million and just sit on the floor in the real estate investing section and just read those books. Um, and some of them, I think, were the ones that, that you had mentioned. And I yeah. think at that early time in my career, you know, I, I would fork over the twenty four ninety seven or whatever it was for one of those books, you know, and, and I would just read through it as fast as I possibly can and, and could and try to uh, consume the information. But that is definitely one of the things I, I did for uh, for my early education. I can tell you a couple of my favorite books. Uh, one of them was Buy It, Fix It, Sell It, Profit by I think the guy's name was Kevin Meyer. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a phenomenal book for just kind of wrapping your mind around the business model of a guy who successfully is doing that. And even if you're not going to go into rehabbing, you need to have your mind wrapped around that business model. You know, you're, you're going to be selling mm -hmm. houses to rehabbers or you're going to be interacting with them in some in some way. Another one, I cannot remember the name of the book, but it was uh, it's, it's basically the main uh, flipping book from Ron LeGrand. It also is a, a really phenomenal read. Now, yeah. I have some specific advice in, the, in this arena. First of all, I think that you need to understand that taking the time to move in a little bit slower on the front end and read some books before you start ponying up $600,000 
serious cash for courses or consulting or coaching, what you're doing is not only giving yourself the time to kind of survey the landscape without a whole lot of risk financially, but you're also embedding within yourself the fundamentals of this business. And that's what you were speaking to, Joe. You really need to understand some basic core fundamental concepts that you absolutely positively can learn from these books. Right. So simultaneously to surveying the landscape, you are internalizing these core foundational real estate investing concepts, building blocks upon which everything else is going to rest. Now, Joe, Alex, when you guys uh, uh, are talking to uh, somebody who's getting into the business and they're, uh, they're starting to make offers on deals, do you advise them, look, you just need to go out and just buy the first deal that looks interesting to you? No, of course not. No, Absolutely right? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, you, you don't do that. You say, you need to do your due diligence, and here's what a due diligence process looks like. Don't do a deal just to do a deal. That'll come back and bite you in the butt. Well, let's take that same philosophy and apply it to the education yeah. you're going to be consuming. Have a systematic due diligence process. Don't just lay your money on the line for the first thing that looks and smells like it might be a good deal and excites you at a sniff test. My advice would be before you just kind of trying to make this systematic, before you invest hundreds of dollars in your education, promise yourself that you will read fully 10 books. Huh. Read through 10 books all the way through. Then at that point, give yourself permission to invest a few hundred dollars in the next level of education. Not thousands, not 10,000, not 30,000. I'm not saying there's not stuff out there that's not worth that. But far too many people come to me and say, oh, my gosh, I just learned from your $97 training what I spent $30,000 with XYZ organization. I'm not going to name call, but you guys probably know yeah, who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. You know, I learned more from you there than I learned from them for $30,000. And I say, well, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. But those are people who, you know, they just jumped at the first thing that, that, that really – appeal to them and it's not that they didn't learn anything from it but it was not a savvy smart due diligence process yeah i mean um i can totally understand what you're saying by the way alex i, I don't know if it's you or if it's me i, I couldn't hear you uh the wind blowing through your your phone there but um I no remember... it's not me i'm muted out completely okay. sorry about that the um i was <laughs> I was thinking as we were going through, as you were talking about this, um, I think we all, we all, when we first were getting started, were, would go in and buy used real estate courses in eBay. Are you guys guilty of that? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> and who knows if they were copies. I got or... my eBay, uh, my Ron LeGrand uh, cash flow system, all four courses, wholesaling houses, retailing houses, lease options, and then what was the other one? Well, it's the other one. Um, there's Whatever four of them, right? Remember the sure. colors? I, I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're back on uh, in the eBay days, man. <laughs> can you still buy things on eBay? I haven't been on eBay. In a I'm sure you can. Time. Yeah, I, man. I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> eBay's bigger than ever. I don't. I mean, I haven't used it much either, but I, I know that for a fact that eBay has more users now than ever. It's, it's alive and kicking. Wow. Another really good book, by the way, is the Million the Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Keller. 
Oh yeah, from Keller Williams one. fame. Um, and the great thing about that book, they actually um, uh, profile I don't know fifty investors who all do different types of investing. And that would be a great resource to go to to find out, you know, what kind of niche that you like and fit into and feel like works good for you. But I think that that's a really good point that you said. That's one of the reasons why Alex and I do this podcast, why, why I'm sure you, JP, do yours. And other friends that we have, like Sean Terry doing the podcast at Flip2 Freedom. Um, you know, you don't have to go out there and spend thousands and thousands of dollars to learn this business and and to to start making some money now having said that there still is a place i believe for those courses the 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 advanced courses because um, i know i couldn't have got to where i am today without having a coach and a mentor to hold me accountable encourage me to be able to call when i had questions and and um you know i i used to the problem is this I don't think the problem is how much money that you spend on education. I think the problem is doing something with what you're buying, right? What? Well, yeah, it's part of it. I'm, I'm going to amplify that just a little bit. Yeah. Part, part of it is taking action or the lack of action on what you invest in, but also erratic, bright, shiny object buying habits contributes to that. And that, you know, you people end up spending, you know, they jump right in and they spend a grand and then they suddenly go, you know, they start looking at a, a course and they say, oh, I don't really, you know, the idea of uh, flipping notes doesn't really appeal to me, even though I spent $1,000 on this course, when they could have figured that out if they had just read a book. And that's, that's the other side of, of, the, of the coin there, I think. Right. I think the due diligence process begins at that level for new investors, but the next level is, okay, now you've surveyed the landscape, now you've read 10 books. Now you invest in your education and do so willingly, but based on what you've learned so far, buy some courses, spend a few hundred, spend a couple of thousand dollars, but you're still trying to basically find out what your niche is going to be. Once you have figured out, yes, wholesaling lease options is what I want to do. Then you pony up the cash to really learn everything you can about that business model. And that's when you spend the money that whatever you need to basically that's yeah. when you invest whatever you need to to become the best at that but far too many people in my opinion spend lots of money just in the discovery process of how do i make money in real estate investing yeah well i think what's key to that too is once you've mastered a technique then consider opening the doors to something else to add to what you're doing right um so if you, because I talk to so many students who have tons of courses already on stuff, and they just, they 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 aren't satisfied with it, or for some reason or another, they're not making any money on it. Yeah. Usually the reason is be, is because they haven't done anything with it yet. If you drill down, it's because well, um, you know, I, yeah, okay, I haven't done the marketing that I'm supposed to be doing. Well, here's what I suggest, and I have people tell me this all the time who call me about my course. One of the first questions I'll ask them is, well, what other courses have you bought in the past? And they'll give, you know, list three or four. And I say, look, why haven't you done anything with those that you've already bought? What's what, what's any different between what I have? And I've actually turned students away because I said, look, you don't need to spend any more money. You need to take what you already have and start implementing it. Go ahead and make some money with what you have. And then after you've made some money, 
do a couple deals, then look at these other strategies because uh, you know I think it's we talk about the shiny object syndrome, but at the same time, it's probably um, still a good idea to have two, three, four different kinds of techniques, different strategies for investing in real estate, wouldn't you say? I would agree with that. I would just say that for beginners, I think they I, I advise uh, beginners to start with one and really get that one right. and then branch off from there. Right. Because That's what otherwise, I'm people think I have to start by filling my bag full of stuff and then they end up being a a jack of all trades, master of none, which is another way to self-destruct. Well, that's that's what almost happened to me. I think, um, and I know Alex has never had this problem, but because uh, he's always he's always been successful at whatever he touches his hands. He's like to. the King Midas of wholesaling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex has never, never made a mistake. But um, I know we've all made mistakes, and we've all done um, stupid stuff and uh, lost money on deals. Um, but I think the key to it is is uh, being focused, being absolutely laser-focused. It wasn't until I started focusing on one strategy, and I knew I was going to be an expert at this strategy. And I knew, I said, you know what, I'm going to stop questioning everything I'm learning here, and I'm just going to stink and do what they say to do. I mean, how hard can it be, right? So I took their postcard, I copied it, and I mailed it out. I didn't change anything. I didn't question anything. When a seller called, I just read right from the script the questions I was supposed to ask, and I started doing deals. But uh, I, for me personally, it wasn't until I started, I, I really started focusing. And um, I think, Alex, you were talking before, or maybe it was you, JP, about um, one of the advantages to to having a spouse is they can kind of hold you accountable to this stuff, right? And so you, when you spend some money on a course, you better be able to make that money back or else you're going to be in trouble. Right. You spent $600 on You haven't done anything? Right, right. Nobody wants to hear those words or how to fade that back. Right. But anyway, um, yeah, um, I think education is important. Coaching is important. But just take it one step at a time. You're absolutely right, JP. You don't have to know everything up front. You don't have to buy 20 courses. Um, you don't have to know what to do with every deal that comes across your plate. Um, it's okay to pass up on deals that you haven't learned how to make offers on yet. Um, Joe, can I springboard off of something you said a second ago? Yeah. Uh, you were talking about the power of focus and uh, the necessity of focus, and it really reminded me of a friend of mine who you know also. Alex, I don't know if you guys have ever met, but you know who I'm talking about, Bob Norton. Yeah. Bob is yeah. – uh, he's a freaking rock star. I mean, he he's uh, – I interviewed him back when I was with Flipping Homes uh, years ago, 2006, I think, and he was known then – as kind of an underground hero as the six-figure-a-month wholesaler, just like regularly he was cranking six figures a month in his wholesaling business. In and, Detroit, the worst market in the U.S. Right, Detroit, like licking the bottom of the ashtray of real estate markets. So he, <laughs> I, uh, I've became friends with Bob over the years, and I've learned a lot about kind of the secrets of his success, his unique variety of it. And one of the things that is really maybe the biggest secret of his success is his – compensation for his severe ADD. 
this guy is like the worst of the worst when it comes to ADD. I mean, he's diagnosed. Everybody says they have ADD these days, right? This guy is officially diagnosed ADD, and he is he can be all over the place at any given time. In order to compensate for that, he had to learn how to hyper-focus. And so what he'll do is he'll have these... Uh, uh, these days where he'll just go dark. People say, I can't reach Bob on his cell phone. I can't, he's not responding to any emails. And you know, Bob went dark. And what that means is he has found something that is worthwhile to him. And he has basically wiped his mind clear. He has wiped his everything else out of his life. And he's probably spending 12 to 18 hours a day hyper-focusing on this one thing. Because if he didn't take it to that extreme of a level, he just what, he wouldn't be able to do anything with it. So it's kind of an extreme uh, reaction to his, I don't know if ADD is a disability, but to, to his problem. Well, there's a huge value there because what Bob is able to do is he can, you know, for example, he can go into a real estate market he's never been in before. He did this uh, not long ago in, in Indianapolis. He was thinking about uh, uh, starting to, do, to flip houses in Indiana. Never been there before. He flew in. And in three days' time, three hyper-focused days' time, he had his mind wrapped around that market better than probably most anybody in the market themselves. He knew exactly who the power players were. He knew exactly who he needed to connect with. He had market experts that he had developed relationships with. He had actually gone out and looked at uh, an opportunity market and narrowed in and focused. I mean, he had done all the things that it takes many investors, new investors, a couple of years to do, he did in three days. Wow. Now, granted, he was armed with knowledge that he didn't have to learn, but really the biggest thing that allows him to be able to do that is that hyper-focus. Nothing else matters. He might not even eat on those days. So what's the lesson there for us? Well, the lesson there for us is, regardless what it is, if we can learn how to hyper-focus not in a in reaction to ADD, but just the fact that we are pulled in a thousand different directions by a thousand different things at any given time, and we only have so much mind share at any given time, right? right? This concept of mind share, you think about market brands. If I ask you to name three brands, that, or I ask you to name as many brands of diapers right now as you possibly can, chances are you'd probably only be able to think of three. There may be 24 different brands of diapers, but you could probably only think of three. Or if I asked you to name three brands of peanut butter, or I'm sorry, as many brands of peanut butter as possible. You only have room in your head for typically three, maybe four brands of most things. Right. That's mind share. Well, if you're a guy, if you're a girl, it's different. <laughs> yeah, well, that's girl brains. This may not apply to, but <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> but the whole mind share thing, you've got to wipe your mind clean. You've got to get the clutter out of there and you've got to focus in. So let's say you just finally read those 10 books and now you're ready to lay down $697 for XYZ real estate investing business thing, right? And you're still in the process of trying to figure out, you know, I might want to do this. I'm, I, it looks like a good fit, smells like a good fit. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to take a little bit more risk. Now your responsibility, and you hinted at this earlier, Joe, now your responsibility is to hyper-focus. Stop reading opportunity yeah. emails. Stop everything else that's going on and give as much time and attention to going through that material. Don't let it sit on the shelf. Don't let yourself feel that nice, ah, I just succeeded in real estate because I bought a course deception. <laughs> Don't fall victim to that. Go through it, process it, and then it's decision time. 
am I going to run with this? Am I going to give myself three months and continue to not read any more opportunity emails and not, uh, not go to any more free real estate seminars that I see advertised in the paper and really press hard and hyper-focus for three months and see what I can do with this? Or have I determined now, no, this is definitely not a good fit for me, in which case you open back up and continue surveying the landscape. That, I think, is the recipe for success in narrowing the field and, you know, frankly, just processing the due diligence of your education in those early stages in the wisest possible way. The art of hyper-focus, man, is huge, though, and it's hugely missed by, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, yeah. oh, not, yeah. not, just, not just other people. Preach on. Preach it. <laughs> All right. I'm stepping off the stump now. <laughs> That's very good. That's extremely, very necessary. I mean, uh, even in my business, uh, with all the things that I'm looking at doing, hyper-focus is, uh, that's like uh, time blocking on steroids, and that's something I need to do uh, yep. definitely more. <laughs> and, and I know maybe both of you, but definitely you, Joe, you're hearing me say this, and you're like, <laughs> JP, are you hearing your own words? <laughs> Because I know enough about you to know that you don't do this. And you're right. I really struggle with this myself. Well, I know of a podcast or website you can go to where you can hear this interview again. <laughs> and where would that be? Realestateinvestingmastery.com. And if you want to play it on your own podcast, it's reiology.com. There you go. You could, <laughs> you could put it on both of, your po- uh, both of our podcasts. You can listen to it twice. You can even listen and see which one is higher quality. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one thing I love about your podcast, by the way. It is really well done. Um, you know, it's, I, it's, don't tell anybody this, but it's probably better, sounds more professional than mine and Alex's. No, in all seriousness, I want to say publicly in front of your audience that I owe you guys a lot, uh, not just in terms of uh, your friendship, which I really cha- cherish and value so much, but... Uh, when I got the idea to take kind of my my brand of uh, content crunching in the real estate arena and turn it into a podcast, uh, you were hugely helpful in just kind of how that works and how to make it happen. So I just want to say I'm standing on your shoulders and in your shadow. Thank you. Oh, shucks. But, I mean, you can see why no Alex – <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can send a check to my office. But there you go. You can see why we wanted JP on this podcast uh, because he shares the same passion we do, um, you know, educating people, helping people get started in this business. Because um, we've been in the trenches, we've been there, done that, and I don't know why do we do what we do. Um, I think it's because we love the business, we love helping each other, and uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity and what we are in the market today. I think this is the best time in the world ever to get started in this business and to make money in it and do do really well with it. Um, so don't be don't be timid or afraid. Step out there, take some bold, decisive, massive action. Hey JP, if it's all right with you, I'd like to do a part two and uh, and, and talk about I'm putting you on the spot here so you can't say no. I'd like <laughs> to I'd like to do a part two and uh, you've got some pretty cool things about seven ways to find deals. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I know what you're talking about. I did a, um, um, in response to some, some questions that I had about my favorite ways over the years to 
attract deals into my wholesaling business specifically, uh, I provided my subscribers with a, uh, I just kind of slapped together like a quick presentation, I guess, and just kind of a bunch of notes all in one place of the seven best favoritist ways of my own over the years that I have brought deals into my business and just a few specific tips on those things. And, and you guys are, are very familiar with some of them, I'm sure. But if you want me to share that at some point, I'd be glad to. Can we do that? And uh, JP, I know you're watching your kids. I mean, Alex, I know you're watching your kids. You can um, feel free to go, but I'd like to just, let's just pause this right now and then uh, we'll cut into part two and talk about these seven ways to find sellers and motivated sellers and deals. And, and uh, because I think that would be great. This is probably a good time to cut this episode off and continue in just a second here. Is that okay with you, Alex? It probably is. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right. 